Well, as Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve push back against some of the pricing around a March rate cut, we're starting to see US regional bank concerns raise their head once again. But can it last? Or is this an idiosyncratic situation? Mega cap tech earnings are rolling in. Google certainly weighing on the tape. But in the session ahead, we have Apple, Amazon and Meta. Equity markets are all-time highs. They're not a million miles away from there. But a few dark clouds seem to be circling around those markets. And Blake and I discuss and assess all of those factors in the trade-off today. Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow. And the tides of change potentially are upon us. We'll have to see. We'll have to set look at the situations that are unfolding. There's been a risk plethora of recently that's been going through markets, but things potentially could be changing. We'll have to look at that with Blake today. So, Blake, come into the program. Um, there's a lot to discuss, as there always is. You know, if you can't find something to talk about in these markets, um, you know, obviously you're not looking hard enough. We're mostly focused on the trades and, and the price action more than the, than the actual narrative necessarily. But there's a lot going on at the moment. How are you uh, sort of seeing uh, all of that aggregate tape at the moment? Well, you know, Chris, um, today was obviously, I, I actually feel pretty worn out. It's at the end of the day, a lot of data thrown out at us, a lot of moves in the market and a lot of really great setups that are, uh, we're going to be, you know, obviously pulling your way. But I'll tell you, this risk rally looks a little, you know, looks a little suspect at this point, and I'm I'm fearful that, you know, if the if the S and P, you know, you know, goes much further, we might have a little bit of problem with sentiment and uh, and and setting up in the markets. So, but uh, you know, the pushback from the Fed chair didn't really surprise us. It didn't nah. surprise me a whole lot. I mean, you, and, and us, I want to say us here at the trade-off show, we've talked a lot about it over the last couple of weeks. The, yeah. uh, the, the, the rate cut expectations going into this year were just a little, little rambunctious. And I think, um, you know, <laughs> the pushback, as you pointed out, rambunctious, <laughs> yes, rambunctious. But, you know, All the right. pushback, as you pointed out with Fed Chair Powell, I think, uh, I think it was warranted and how, how the markets respond between now and the non-farm payroll is going to be really really critical yeah. in my opinion. I just think that that you know there's there's people out there hoping for a pullback. Um but you know this is a fickle market and and, and all the news flow we've just seen there could 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 change and people could be buying buying dips in this market because they're seeing things in a different lens in 24 hours. So yeah, we'll have to situate look at those situations and I think it's probably a good place to go straight into it. Let's go topical funder and actually assess all of those parameters. Yeah, let's go straight into the Fed Blake is uh Obviously, the topic du jour. Um, look, I think there's other factors in play that, that that came just before the Fed meeting, which yeah, we saw um, the employment cost index sort of annualising at three and a half percent, ninety basis points, and that impacted lower ADP. And of course, you know we've got the New York um, Community Bank, which is getting sort of heavily debated, and that's the equity was absolutely taken to the cleaners, uh, and rightly so when you see those loan loss provisions picking up substantially. Uh, but in terms of the Fed meeting, you know, I think there, there was three distinct stages to me. The first one was the, the statement, um, which was considered to be hawkish. Then we saw Jerome Powell talk, yeah, stepping up and yeah, we had a bit of a bounce in risk assets. He talked about you know, well-restricted territory that they're in, you know, highly restricted territory. 
um, and that they'd look to pair back um, you know, the, the target range at some stage. Uh, but then towards yeah, the latter stages of, of, their, of, the, of, of the conference, he then said, that, you know, we're, we're pushing back on, on the March hike. They're putting everything on, on inflation. They want to get it down to 2%, not just in terms of tradables and goods, but the whole, whole basket, the whole um, area of, of core PCE. Um, and then obviously that sort of just impacted the tape again. So I think I'd coin them in three distinct stages of the Fed meeting. The wash up is that we've got yields lower, equities very, very heavy, um, but a lot of that was going into there. So how, how, how are you sensing, yeah, we can talk about the Fed all day long, but yeah, just give us in a nutshell, what does this mean? Well, you're right. When, when you know, towards the end of the press conference, when he was, uh, you know, asked, asked about March and he said that, you know, at it doesn't seem like based on what we have right now, it's not likely that we're going to, we're going to be cutting in March. When those words came out, that, that was that, that wave of dollar buying. But what's really interesting, Chris, and, and I say dollar buying and, you know, stocks uh, slump to lows. Um, what's really interesting is you look at the bond market, bonds are stronger. You look at the 10 year, 30 year, you know, the yields were, you know, yields were down dollar was strong. And I don't know if that was a result of, uh, you know, maybe some risk off buying. I'm not really too sure, but that that mix that where you have dollar stronger yields coming down, I, I, that that does make me concerned. I say concerned. I just pause a little bit before I get too aggressively bullish the dollar. But and I think the market was doing that too. I mean, you you see the market and the, the price action of the euro. We stalled at 108, which is pretty critical support as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, the market kind of paused as well because they're like, how are we going to read this? But um, basically that pushback that we got from the Fed, I think really, you know, has the market readjusting because going into the press conference, it was still more 50-50 that we were going to get a, a, a cut in, in March. But at the end of the press conference, um, interest rate pricing is is showing that now we're we're seeing it start in May, not in March for rate. We've got thirty five percent for March, I think. Yeah, so May is 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 where you're looking, yeah. isn't it? So, Filtered, I, I right? think that's fair. I think I think that's fair. I mean, um, what have we got? We've got a CPI number on the the thirteenth of February that be influencing the first of March. We've got the core PCE number, but remember that the the, the Fed want to have real confidence in that inflation number and given the data flow until march on the on the 20th of march the fomc meeting have they got enough data points to to justify what they consider to be confidence i'm not so sure so i i i am in the camp right now unless we do see a pickup in inflation which is the biggest risk to markets that they go in may and i think the the uh, the, the interest rate pricing is there that's enough data um especially inflation data and jobs data to give them that confidence, I think. So May is my sort of default situation now. Well, okay, without going too deep into this, and I know we're going to go into some technical charts. May, does that mean S&P 4,800, 5,000, or 4,700? That's the question, right? That's like where, that. I mean, that's it. Well, you've got to look at what sports, it's not just about yeah the, the, the lift-off date or the start cutting date, but it's how many... Yeah, it's the pace of rate cuts going into the end of the year. I think that's also really important as well, and why those rate cuts are being uh, are being there. If, yeah, the, the the market loves uh, the idea that inflation's coming down to target, or it looks like it's coming down to target, um, while growth's relatively, um, yeah, supportive and, and positive. The consumer in the US is still very very strong, um, 
But if rate cuts are coming down because people are starting to rise inflation, uh, recession risk, then that's a whole different beast. Um, so at the moment, we've got right. this, this soft landing in play, um, and, and that's very supportive of buying dips in the market. But if we, if we were to see the consumer waning, um, then, then that's a whole different ballgame. We can start talking about 50 basis point cut increments, but that's not where we are at the moment. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on because, you know, Chris, sometimes on this show, we we get wrapped up into what's happening in the U.S. And, you know, I first really realized how important the U.S. was when I went to Greece and I got married in Greece in 2002. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. In two that, no, 2003. I'm sorry. I got married in Greece. But and then, you know, you, you sit around, you talk to all these Europeans and they're like, yeah, we you know, we have to pay attention to what's happening to you. And, you know, because you you're, you're you're driving a lot of the world economy. And so a lot of times here on the show, we tend to do that. But today, we really need to talk about other FX moves that are percolating in the market. And I want to um, really discuss what's happening with tomorrow. Tomorrow, we have the Bank of England. And the Bank of England, if you look at sterling, sterling's held up really, really well. And I don't, I'm not sure if you're, any of sterling charts are going to pop up for you today. I didn't bring any to the, to the table. But we, we're in a, this tight range between basically 126 and 127.80. Everyone's talking about that range at the moment. That's, that's... It's, it's so, I mean, we, we've been talking about it for weeks at the Forex Analytics community, but it's just like gone on. We're like, okay, you know, any day we want to break. And I'm sure a lot of people have too, but the, the fringes of those ranges can, ranges can be tested, but it's not just pound dollar. We've got a really big breakdown in the euro sterling as we're approaching the 85 pence level. Um, you know, some of the pound crosses look pretty bullish. So, you know, between that and some European data that's coming out tomorrow, how are you treating the rest of the FX world going into? And and then on top of that, you've got some of these yen pairs that are starting to gain some strength as uh, yeah. as the Nikkei might look a little. Oh Kiki. mate, we, so we, we need we need we need longer than three minutes for this section. To be honest, I mean, this week yeah, we we, we, we have do, our, we the whole day. Um, look, I think Yen's looking pretty interesting. Got some charts around that. Um, I'm not expecting the Bank of England meeting to be to be a volatility event per se, but I think you know this this defined range is something that we look to continue trading. Um, what I'm really looking at in the session ahead, Blake, is is the European CPI numbers. I mean, we're expecting core. Uh, to be at three three point two percent, but if I think if we were to see a two handle, say below three percent, I think that would be very meaningful indeed. And you know we're expecting headline the estimate. This is the first one to come out two point eight percent. But the back the, the ECB, you know, Lagarde refrained from really pushing back against market pricing in last week's ECB meeting. There are some of the doves who are talking about rate cuts at the moment. Obviously, the hawks are going against that. But I think if 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 we were to see a core inflation number of a two handle. Um, that that would probably say to me that the ECB must be the candidate to, to ease policy before anyone else, uh, maybe the Canadians. But uh, certainly, I think this ECB uh, inflation number, I think, is, is really meaningful. And yeah, then you're going to see that euro sterling break those lows. Euro yen looks like it's ripped right for the downside. Obviously, if we get a, a big number above expectations, then all of this is untrue. But where we're seeing inflation in the US, in Australia, they're missing. They they they're consistently coming out below target, below estimates at the moment. So I think that's the big one there as well. But yeah, I think um, euro sterling through those lows. Euro yen looks interesting. Euro kiwi to an extent has been a a, you know, a crowd pleaser recently. Um, but yeah, so I think that 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 euro CPI number. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over time and I'm gonna pass it back to you and give you the opportunity to reply on that as well. Well, I I. I I think we're, our setups are going to speak for themselves as we talk about them today. But I, but I do agree with you. The euro looks vulnerable, and it's not just 
euro sterling. I mean, it, you know, it's it's euro. Yeah, as you pointed out, the euro yen it just it broke broke down today. Broke down pretty pretty aggressively too. So, and I think we're testing the 50 DMA. If I, my memory serves me correctly, you know. So I, I think that there's a lot going on in the FX market, and that's a great thing um, for us as traders. It, there's a lot of opportunity, as there's yeah. a lot of volatility. That, that I just want to say one thing. We go into the next one. The mm -hmm. race to be the first central bank to cut, I think, is so meaningful. The Fed have pushed back rate pricing. The RBA are trying, the bank, uh, the RBNZ are trying, the Bank of England are going to retain their kind of hawkish bias and push back against market pricing. If we get a weak CPI number in, in Europe, um, then 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 it market will say probably the ECB are going to be the first off the rank. I think the first central bank to cut will be very meaningful indeed. And and I think you're going to see you know, flows dictate that. So that's the that's the interesting one there as well. Anyway, Blake, let's go to the NASDAQ because yeah, Google came out with some some earnings, which you know I thought were, were pretty good. But there's a lot in there that the market really was was displeased with. The stock was down seven percent, and that's obviously weighed very heavily on on um, on the on the on the on the, on the Nasdaq. Um, there's other stocks involved in there as well. Microsoft, which was yeah very very good earnings, but they they weren't good enough, and the stock's down hard. And obviously that's got the biggest weighting on the Nasdaq and the S and P. Um, in the session ahead, we've got Apple. I don't think. Apple's particularly much of a market darling. Obviously, sentiment towards China is, is poor. But we do have Amazon and Meta, and they definitely are market darlings. They are buy-side favorites. Um, they are heavily owned, both of those stocks. Everyone owns those stocks in, in the buy-side. And if they don't blow the lights out, then, then yeah, we could be looking at another, um, another drawdown coming through the NASDAQ. So you've got to – I think real rates are supporting equity markets. They've been coming down. Um a bit of a pushback from the Fed is is not great, but I think these earnings do matter. We talked about it last week, but it's pretty clear. You know, momentum names like Meta, they have to just blow the lights out. You know, when they're priced to perfection like this, they have to absolutely knock it out the park. Um, so the tolerance for any miss is very poor. You're going to see a five, six, seven percent miss downside move in the Nasdaq. There. So, are you expecting further drawdown in the Nasdaq? Would you be looking at hedging strategies? Uh, what are you looking here? You know, I think one of the bigger stories have been is the Mag Seven not being so mag uh, magnificent <laughs> over the course lost of the last. <laughs> I had to I do lost it. it then, I'm sorry, uh, uh, but I but but you know the Mag Seven has been kind of underperforming, and this is the key, Chris. Is you know this market has been very good about um, distribution. So you know uh, you you have one. One one market or one section of the market, you know, taking the reins, it's like a relay race. The relay passes over. Next thing you know, you got another sector of the market taking hold. Um, and right now, you're right. The Nasdaq is a little bit at risk. I I, I do look at stocks like, uh, especially we have Apple. Looks Apple looks uh, well. <laughs> stick around because we're going to talk a little bit more about Apple. We've got Apple. We got Amazon that's really lacking here, you know. And as you pointed out, Meta. Um, you know, Microsoft is, you know, although ripping the all-time highs or has been you know it's it it looks a little frothy so i i i'm skeptical and i think i'm going to be more skeptical chris not necessarily because of what the nasdaq doing is doing but i'm going to be looking at the broad markets i i really have my eye on 4820 on the s p or 4800 depends if you're looking at the futures or if you're looking at like a cfd right around that the previous all-time highs that level yeah. has to hold it, it just does. And yeah. if that breaks down and you're out there buying NASDAQ as the S&P, the broad market's breaking down, I think that's a mistake. So yeah, I just want to quickly go into this one. Yeah. Right. 
tech aside, um, you know, we, we, we did see um, New York Community Bank Corp coming out with this 552 billion loan loss provision. Um, yeah, they cut their dividends, not completely erased it. But yeah, the market's saying, you know, what's going on here? We are with the bank term funding facility being rolled off in March. Um, yeah, we, we've just seen the KRE regional bank index down down over five percent. It's been an absolute bloodbath here, and people are saying that you know we could see a reemergence of, of, of regional bank concerns. I'm I'm not I'm not an equity analyst per se. I have been speaking to people, and they say this is a purely idiosyncratic event to New York. But the market's saying. You know, they've taken it to, to regional banks. So are we, are we, is it time to put the regional banks back on the radar ahead of this, this roll-off of the bank term funding facility? Could we be seeing something that actually promotes the Fed to, to cut rates sooner um, to support these entities? So I, first of all, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't trade them either. I'm not an equity analyst, but I am of the, uh, the school of thought and the school of trading that um, sectors or assets that underperform where they should be performing are suspect if the whole market turns lower. This is why I had a lot of pushback at the end of the year as we were doing some of these shows, uh, our end of the year show when you know analysts are talking about the Russell 2000, you know, taking the reins and breaking out. I'm like, no, nah, I just don't see that. And so when you look at the KRE, and and that is worrisome. That what was it down today? Like five, six percent or something? Yeah. Some, okay, well, we'll just call it, I said five to six percent, five point six. That's fine. Um, but oh, yeah, perfect. I mean, it is it is a concern, right? Um, so I think that you have to look at these sectors of the market that didn't perform well as stocks traded all time highs. I've been through so many bear markets over the years, uh, Chris. That you know, those are the ones that tend to get blasted first sectors stocks anything that's underperforming in a good market like we're seeing right now yeah. so well i definitely think you've got to keep it on the radar um i think that yeah if, he, yeah. if, it's, if, if the calorie moves lower then yeah let's move on okay let's move on and well let's move over to the the, the big event risk uh well i say the big event risk we talked about the bank of england european cpi tomorrow but friday we have the jobs report and i want to talk a little bit about the jobs report because i want to talk about what's your playbook here because um you know, it, it's a little mixed to me uh, when when you're talking about the playbook, could be because first of all, let's talk about the ADP data. It came in um, 107,000, worse than expected. The market was expecting 148,000. Uh, last week, unemployment claims they look like they were. You know, we, we look like we we're going to get a foothold below 200,000. Last week, popped back up uh, at uh, I think we came in at 214,000. But you look at the Jolts numbers that came in yesterday. There's jobs aplenty. May not be the best jobs in the world, but jobs aplenty. You know, so a little mixed as far as, you know, what the market's expecting. Um, I'm really, I, I think you could just throw a dart at a dartboard and figure out what NFP is. It's your, your guess is probably better than mine. You guys listening in at home. But I know what I want to play. And I know what I want to play in a, in, in a strong, uh, in strong, with strong data or weak data. And so when I'm looking at the non-farm payroll, I'm now at in the camp that if we have data that's better than expected, okay, it's better than expected, the, the stock market will have limited upside because of today's FOMC meeting. So if you see a, a move higher in equities because everybody goes, yay, strong number, 
don't forget that's one of the one of the reasons even though the fed pal said labor market is rebalancing whatever the hell that meant i'm really not too sure but if we get if we get a strong number, he's still looking at labor. He's still looking at you know the jobs market. Strong data means he can push back even further. So any rally in equities, I think, is going to be met with selling. Flip side to that is if the data comes in is a little weaker than expected, I do want to short dollars. If it comes in too weak, like which I'm not expecting, but let's say we U.S. didn't create any jobs this month, you know the the market may come under like assault. And um, we could really see some downside pressure because then recession fears would be more of a, 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 a risk. But what are your thoughts about NFP and how are you going to play it? Well, I think it's too it's too difficult to be honest. In, in uh, you know, you've does the market look at the headline number of jobs created? Does it look at the unemployment rate? Does it look at the average hourly earnings? If you had to pick one, I'm going to go with the unemployment rate. I think that's probably what matters the most to to, to the market. I, I think. Yeah, the market's expecting a little bit of a push higher. They're based on different surveys. You've got the establishment survey and the household survey. So you can't say, oh, we've seen a strong level of jobs in, in the establishment survey, and it, it doesn't read through into the unemployment rate. So I think the market will look at the unemployment rate. Um, and yeah, I, I think if we were to say, like the, the concern here is that we get a reestablishment of inflation. I think that is the biggest risk to markets going forward. Um, and yeah, whilst the labour market doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get that, I think the market wants to see a cooling. We we didn't get that in the jolts. We got the opposite. So that muddies the water. I think that the playbook then very simplistically, if we use that unemployment rate, if we were to get, you know, above 3.8%, then that will be weakening the dollar. That does bring March back to about a 50-50, I think, um, from around 36% at the moment, a March cut. Um, although I think March is still not my base case. May is probably where I'm at. Um, but yeah, I think an unemployment rate above three point eight percent, and and yeah, it brings uh, a May a March cut probably about fifty fifty. Uh, if we could were to you imagine it, if it was like a could you imagine if it was a four handle? Oh well, then yeah, obviously that 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 would obviously we have to look at other factors like average hourly earnings and um, yeah, the, the 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 household survey it can be notoriously volatile and, and there can be reasons behind that. But yeah, if we were to see um, yeah. A really low level of jobs created. Obviously, that's going to be negative for the dollar. Um, but I think that unemployment rate is really what you want to be looking at. I think if we were to get, yeah, if we were to see three point seven or even below that level, then that would be that would be positive for the US dollar. I think dollar yen would spike up, um, yields would move up a little bit there, and I think yeah, that pricing for March would probably come down to about twenty five percent or so. So, an interesting one. But I do think it has bearing. I think anything to anything to do with inflation. Anything to do with the labour market is what the Fed's looking here very, very closely. And the market is really sensitive to that. So, yeah, do put it on the radar. It's something that it's a risk event and you need to monitor your exposures over it. So, um, yeah, obviously look at that very closely. Anyway, let's go into the charts that matter. Let's go to that's a setup. Well, I'm going to bring Dolly Yen up straight away because... If we have a look at the daily chart of dollar yen, I mean, it was looking pretty dark at one stage, and, and you know, certainly the, the yen crosses have seen a bit of love. Well, the yen has seen a bit of love against you know some of the other crosses, certainly against the Aussie and the Kiwi. Um, but you can see here that that, that we had a really nice move lower. Um, the buyers have stepped back in. We've got a bit of a fat tail coming through there. Big wick at the bottom. Um, good buying pressure as those dollars came back in. I mean, dollar buyers came back in. A few shorts closed, but it still feels a bit heavy to me, Blake. We're back, still back in that sort of distribution, that consolidation zone that we've, yeah, we've highlighted as, as the green level there. I was hoping we'd get a test of that 
68.2% retracement level of the recent rally. Didn't happen, We, you know, and there's big spying support. But I think those buyers will be caught offside soon. Um, I do feel like they're... They, 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 Put a gun to my head. Where's this probability? I think it goes lower personally. Um, obviously, payrolls is going to dictate that one as well. So, yeah, how are you playing? I, I need to bring up Dolly Yen. I know we could go through all the Yen crosses, but I'm bringing up Dolly Yen because that's where we've seen the concentration of client flow coming through. So how are you playing this? I'm not playing the dollar yen. I was playing the dollar yen. I was playing it on the short side. Uh, I, I was. I, I literally got out for, I don't know, it was like 20 pip loss. After, I'm talking over the course of like five days, and, you know, uh, carry interest, you know, started to weigh on me. And I'm just like, eh, don't want it. But technically, we have a bull flag pattern. That that consolidation, it's it's slightly descending. That, that would be the flag. Okay. And I know it's not drawn here. I do think, though, on a strong number, the dollar yen rips higher. If it gets anywhere close to 150, I think it's going to fail. Matter of fact, right around the 150 is a long-term 78% retracement of that entire chart, basically, that you have displayed there. So I'm I'm not bearish yet, um, and especially while it's above the 50 DMA, which comes in around uh, 145, 60 or so. As long as we're above that, it still looks constructive. But I, I, I agree with you. It's not trading well. and 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 so if we saw the big 150 number... I, I might stick my neck out there and look for a you know a trade short to just create a lower high. Overall. The other the other thing to consider as well is this um, is these risk currencies. If, if if the equity market does have another big drawdown, you know, depending on these what happens in earnings after market tomorrow, yeah, the, the, the yen's finding some love from that. The Swiss franc's working. Well. If you have a look at the daily chart of Swiss franc against the yen, it's just moving sideways. They're both safe haven currencies. Um, we haven't seen a massive pickup in the VIX and Vol is generally still quite subdued. But yeah, I think if we were to see that play out, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if we do, um, then then the dollar, the Swiss franc and the Japanese yen are your sort of go-to currencies in in, in that world of high Vol you know, risk drawdown. So do keep your eyes on credit spreads. Do keep your eyes on equity markets, because if this does turn out to not be a one-day affair, then then the dollar will work on a selective basis against risk. Uh, the yen will work, and and I think that's really really important. Know your characteristics of your currency. If the equity market does pull pull back again, VIX goes into say sixteen seventeen percent. The yen's going to work. The Swiss franc's going to work, and the dollar's going to work there. You know, and that's a great point, Chris. And and uh, and I must say that we haven't seen the yen respond to any risk off. But to that argument, we're sitting at all time highs or close to in most markets. So so there you go, right? Uh, so yeah, you, we we see a little bit of risk. The yen might actually respond, and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to take us over to Apple. And uh, this is a, a great setup because it is the apple of my eye. Get it? Oh, very nice. Apple of my eye, like <laughs> my kids. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, showing the underperformance of Apple and how it's stalling, this, this still sets up as a bullish wedge. Now, a bullish wedge is when you have higher highs, or excuse me, higher lows and consistent highs. Actually, that last high was not quite as high as the previous high. So, you, you you know, some might argue, well, it's not a bullish wedge then. It's a wedge any which way you slice it. But what's really critical support here is the 200 DMA, which we're coming into. It comes in around 182.60, roughly. Below that is an ascending trend line. And then you have a 618. So around the 180 to 178 level. We start getting below 180. That's where I would be saying, okay, uh, people are going to start throwing in the towel. I think you're going to start to see selling. You might get some systematic selling because you're below the 200 DMA, below the 180 level. 
that's when sellers might step in. But while we're above that, you know, you're, you're talking about buying dips, Chris. Look, Apple earnings are tomorrow and they have to come in better. And uh, I mean, this is your pivot. This is your setup, right? Right around 180. So what are your thoughts here on the, on Apple? Well, I've, I've, you go back a couple of quarters and, and this would have been the stock that everyone was focused on. But now I think the leadership's you know, firmly more in, in, in your AI names. NVIDIA, your, 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 your Microsoft, for example. But I think this is still really important given its market cap. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to short it. I think it's hard to short. But I do think, you know, that, that 200 day moving average, that rising uptrend is really important. And I guarantee you, if it breaks through those levels, you're going to see charts left, right, and center, uh, not just in, um, not just on, on social media and Twitter. But you're going to see the media talking about it quite a lot because you know that's how important this stock has been historically to the market. And when we break through those levels, you know you are going to see and you are going to see headlines around you know Apple breaking down through trends and 200-day moving average. And so I do think psychologically it, it matters. So this is a setup. If we do see those earnings aftermarket coming out below expectations, if it does miss the mark, if it if it doesn't give the outlook that the mark of the bulls the desperately want to see. Um, yeah, I think we come down to test those levels and it's how markets react into that. That's obviously key. And I think, you know, the, the, the market will react on that. So this is a setup that I think is not just for equity traders, but I think more broadly for, for index traders. And if the index is moving, we just talked about what happens then with the yen. It just brings in a whole sort of suite of asset classes on there. So if you're trading the yen, if you're trading the dollar, trading gold, trading indices, Get a little chart of Apple up in the corner and just keep a monitor on that because I think it's going to be really important going forward there. So, yeah, good one. I want to bring up a chart of uh, the, the dollar index or the Dixie um, because, yeah, Blake, you started talking about how you, you're you starting to warm to it. But, I mean, what we've seen recently is, you know, we've, we've had this sort of V-shaped bottom. Everyone loves a V-shaped bottom. We had a consolidation. We broke up to the upside. We're, again, just consolidating around the 200-day moving average. You know, it, I think we've had about eight or nine sessions where it's just oscillated around that level. The bulls are trying to push it up. They're not getting their way. The bears are trying to do the same. And, and yeah, it's got this kind of battle going on. Uh, for me, you just take it to a, a one-hour chart and you just meet, you just trade the range, you know, lean into lean into, into highs, lean into lows. Um and then when it breaks out, I feel like the, the probability is it breaks out to the upside. These things tend to sort of move strength begets strength. So I, I favor, you know, this breaking out to the upside. But there's a consolidation that's going on. And again, yeah, a lot of this is down to the euro and that that euro CPI number in the session ahead. I think it's going to be fant- like really important to the dollar index here. Um, and if we get a weak number, obviously D- Dixie breaks higher. How are you trading this? Do you, do you like the probability of this going higher? Do you see that further sideways? How are you trading this? Well, that lower um, that lower box that you have is the right shoulder of an inverted head and shoulder pattern that we've been playing. Uh, frustratingly, let me let me let me let me add that we've been long predominantly the dollar over the last two weeks, and it has not been an easy trade. Um, by you know, selling euro on rallies as it approaches 109 has been the play for most of us. Uh, even today, you know, we saw a move pre FOMC closer to it was like 108.85 many of us sold into it so playing the dollar on the long side as it's an inverted head and shoulder pattern makes sense following the fed and following the comments that really that pushback from the federal reserve chairman does suggest that we are now headed to 104 to quite possibly 105 where we'd complete the inverted head and shoulder pattern so to answer your question simply put 
I'm playing it to the long side. I'm going to continue to play on the long side while we remain above 102.75, 102.80. With you, with you, with you, I see the risks. I mean, obviously, we don't know the future. No one does unless you're an insider trader. But um, I I see if you, if yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think if if you're looking at the risk, um, when this breaks out, I I see greater upside risk than downside risk um, going forward. So. Well, let's take it over to the dollar max because that's going to be my final setup. And I and and this is one I know it's been on my radar for a while, and I've talked a little bit about it, Chris. But this is to me more the canary in the coal mine. You know, we talked a lot about Nasdaq. Do we buy dips? S and P forty eight hundred, forty eight twenty, very big levels. The biggest level for me in FX right now is dollar Mexican peso at the two hundred DMA. We've rejected it a couple times, but we can't get below 17. So if you are a buyer of Mexican pesos, you're, you're trying to play the carry trade, you're trying to play the emerging market carry, you're not getting paid other than carry because the thing is buoyant. So if we start breaking above the 200 DMA, I think it starts really challenging that trend line. And by the way, that trend line goes all the way back to post-COVID spike highs. So that's how important that trend line is. That comes in around 1780, 1783, also the 618 retracement. So I think it's a quick move. 1740, 1780, and then atmosphere levels. So Chris, what do you think about the uh, dollar max? I think it's interesting. I mean, again, a lot of this comes down to risk in the market. If we see, you know, like we talked about the yen, if the equity market does find further sellers, and it's a big if, if it does, yeah, the vols pick, uh, equity vols pick up, FX vols pick up, and the Mexican peso is going to get sold because we see an unwind of carry positions. So I think that's really, really important. Dollar Mex is going to is going to absolutely fly if we were to see a further risk off kind of move. Another two percent move in the Nasdaq, not my base case, but yeah, you know, if it does happen, then yeah, you know, obviously Dollar Mex is going to break out of that that, that two hundred day moving average, and you've got your wish, you've got your move higher. Whether it's the canary in the coal mine is is another factor. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe that yeah, you know, that along with. Factors, although the Aussie hasn't really been moving along with China for a while now, um, which way does it break? I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I, I I do think that uh, this is a policy of letting the market come to you. I have no position in this. I haven't looked at this chart for uh, for a while, but now I do. Um, I'm going to watch it very closely because I think uh, I think looking at this, it doesn't take much to see that if it breaks that 200-day moving average. And, and it depends what that break looks like, the, the, the sort of range expansion, the candle that we're seeing, the price action there. Yeah, I think this has got some good upside. So, yeah, I think this is one that, that has to be on the radar. Whether this is the canary in the coal mine, I, I don't know. But if vols pick up and it breaks that 200-day moving average, yeah, I'll be looking at um, looking at trading that from the long side for sure. Yes, I got Chris getting on the long side of the dollar max. I love it. I love there it. You go. So but, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, there you go. I mean, I wouldn't be holding it for too long because there is obviously a carry component to that. But, um yeah, you don't need to, to be honest. But uh, anyway, so that's an interesting one. Monitor that one. Stick that with your Apple chart and yeah, put a put a yeah, go into trading view. Get your your split screens and and your multi charts there and, and and monitor them. Yeah, put an alert on that. And when it when it breaks that, you get a little yeah pop up, boom, 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 and uh, you know you know you're on. So yeah, let's see what happens there. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Play de jour. Well, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to go for that cheeky Aussie yen position that I looked at there. Um, so let's have a look at the daily chart on this one for oversight. There, we've just seen a big move down about one percent. Now, obviously, yesterday we saw the uh, Aussie CPI numbers, the Q4 numbers coming out. They were below expectations. Um, we've obviously said, well, we've seen the December number, which is a slightly more sort of 
faster pace one. We're at 40 basis points now from the RBA's target, if you were to use that, that 2 to 3% band. Um, I, I think... That, you know, things are changing and evolving quite quickly in Australia. Um, they've still only got just over two rate cuts being priced by the end of the year, which I think is okay. Um, but I think the market is sort of starting to, to think about bringing that forward. And the market's responding. But again, you know, we've seen a big move down. Um, a lot of this is going to be determined by what happens in the NASDAQ going forward. If we do see Apple, Amazon, those kind of names beating expectations and NASDAQ are up 2%, Aussie Yen's going to rally. There's no doubt about that. So look, we've seen a big move here. Um, I like this from the short side, um, but I know that I'm looking to cut out as soon as we start seeing some you know, some good buying coming through in the NASDAQ. I'm out of this trade. Uh, I'm looking to to, to, what, to, look, uh, to do a sell stop order through those lows. So just put a, 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 I'm putting a sell stop below those lows, hoping for momentum. So it's a pure momentum trade. Get rate of change on there and it breaks those lows. You know, I'm filled and I want to be losing the momentum in the market. So just putting a sell stop order through those, through the red candles lows, um, hoping that that's going to continue going forward and uh, further sellers are going to take this one down to into sort of 95 going forward. Ooh, juicy. I like it, Chris. I like it. I like oh. it when Chris gets on the sell side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. Tell me about your uh, Kiwi trade, bro. Yeah. Okay. So my key, my Kiwi trade is my play of the day. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the Kiwi obviously on the short side here, but it's got a nice bear flag pattern developing. And with the bear flag pattern developing, all I need is a daily close below the 200 DMA. I know there's a lot of support down there because we've probed it down around the uh, 60, 50, 60, 60 level but it doesn't matter to me. We get a daily close below the 200 DMA. I'm looking to press shorts. Um, I am looking to get short, if not today, tomorrow. I'll probably do what Chris is doing, you know, put in a sell order, sell stop below the market, but I am looking to play it to the short side and I'm looking to add on daily closes below lows. So in other words, I'm chasing it lower because what I realized today, Kiwis don't fly. I had to confirm that, Chris. I had to confirm that the Kiwi bird does not fly. So uh, one, one little piece of risk that you need to be paying attention to for next week. Next week, I think we have New Zealand employment on Tuesday, February 6th, or actually it would be February 7th on Wednesday for you guys. Uh, for me, it's the 6th on Tuesday. So um, Could that's, I just ask, that's gonna be the, when the when event risk. When you're talking about setups and, and technical patterns, per se i mean I, I everyone sort of we always look at high probability setups you know and i think everyone you can back test these these setups for me the bear flag is one of the ones which i have highest conviction on so i love those because you when you're going in the flow you ha everything has a bit of a consolidation eventually uh, and when it breaks the downside you know i'd say 70 80 percent of the time that it, it continues to to go in that directory so i think flag patterns for me and, and i'll be interested to hear what people at home but for you blake i'm asking you like, i think flag patterns are some of the best patterns and when when you get at the complete when it actually closes below that level I, I think that's a fantastic trade. I, I see a high probability that continues down, so I love that trade. I've, not that you should never love a trade, but I, I think that, that that's a high probability setup. So I have two favorite setups in my book, uh, and and for a continuation pattern, it is a flag pattern because a flag pattern it shows that you can't get back below a thirty eight percent retracement, which means that the any type of pullback is very shallow. That means that the buyers, or you know, in a bull flag pattern, or in the in a bear bear flag pattern sellers are in control but shows you how much control the market has and they're just gonna they're gonna continue to push that envelope uh in that direction my other favorite pattern 
is a is a descending or ascending wedge, which shows the market has come to a top and then is reversing or down hit hit a low and is reversing. Those are my high probability reversal patterns. So yeah, you're speaking right up my alley, Chris, and I'm glad you brought them up. And we'd love to hear from you down in the comments below what your favorite technical patterns do are. Do well. it, do it. Yeah, no, anyway, it's a good one. Thank you for that uh, for that idea. I think you'll wait for the completion and then uh, I think that's a, that's a nice trade. I'll, I'll be looking at one myself. But anyway, thank you, Blake. Thank you, everyone, for home. Um, lot going on in markets. Obviously, we went well over time today, but that's just, just a, a reflection of everything that's going on and so many talking points. Uh, we'd love to hear your views on markets. Leave them in the comments section. Give us a like if you can. We'd really appreciate that one. And uh, we'll see you back next week for more of The Trade-Off.